Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Romans chapter 12. Verses we are very familiar with. Verse 1 reads, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Last Tuesday, early hours of the morning, I awoke with this in my spirit. Jesus is the mold. We pour everything into him. Jesus is the mold, and we must pour everything into him. Everything we have must be poured into him. The voice reads, do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. We need the discernment of the Lord, don't we? J.B. Phillips, New Testament, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. And the truth is, and the reality is, there really are only two molds. There really are only two options. The world's mold and the Lord's mold. Now, whatever it is that I take and pour into a mold, I can expect to get the image, the cast, the shape, the pattern, the style, the kind, the look that that particular mold produces. Think about it tonight. If we pour our lives into the mold of the world, what can we expect? If we pour our relationships, our sexuality, our minds, our hopes, our dreams, our emotions, if we pour our questions, our talents, and our giftings, and so on into the mold of the world, what can we expect? What are we hoping for? What are we longing for? There really are only two options concerning all these. And what's fitting and what's right for us as believers is that we take our everything and we pour it into the right mold. We pour everything in. For us, Jesus is our mold. We pour everything into him. A short list tonight, we pour our lives into him. We pour our hopes into him. We pour our dreams into his mold. We pour our emotions and our questions into him. We pour our families into him. We pour our relationships into him. We pour our associations into him. We pour our talents and our giftings into him. You want to know the truth tonight? This manner, this form, this is what reasonable Christianity looks like. You say, well, you just made that up. Reasonable Christianity. No. Verse 1, New King James Version. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable. And so when we hear the call to come to Jesus by the mercies of God, we know it's only by His mercy that we, that we come to Him. When we hear this call to come and present our bodies, let's just talk about that for a second, as a living sacrifice. This isn't unreasonable. For the Christian, this is only reasonable that we would come before the Lord and cry out. It's a living sacrifice that we desire, desperately desire to be holy and acceptable to God. That our everything would be holy and acceptable to God. We're not just putting part of our life in the mold that is Jesus and part of our life in the mold that is the world. It's like a house divided against itself. You know that this is what proper Christianity looks like? The Passion Translation, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. The reality tonight is that this is what intelligent Christianity looks like. J.B. Phillips' New Testament, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, my sisters, as an intelligent act of worship, as an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice consecrated to him and acceptable by him. This is what normal Christianity looks like. We're taking it right out of the text tonight. We're not making something up. We're not forming our own thing. We're reading the Bible. This is what normal Christianity looks like. Anything else falls short of the mark. The truth tonight is this, anything else isn't normal. What does normal Christianity look like? We've just taken in the text. If you don't like the other translations I use, go back to the New King James Version. It's right there. This is what normal Christianity looks like. So anything less, anything else isn't normal. The message, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. This is how practical it really gets. You're sleeping, you're eating, going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Verse 2 in the New King James Version that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is that not the cry of your heart tonight? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, if we do not pour everything into Christ, how on earth can we expect to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? We're going to lack the discernment. We're going to lack the understanding. We're not going to see clearly what the perfect will of God is if we're pouring things into the wrong mold. This is the truth. This is the reality.
How can I honestly expect His perfect will when I'm pouring things into the wrong mold? How can I expect to really know? We need to continue to pour things into the right mold, even the questions that come, come our way, that rise up within us. Again, the voice, do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, I love this, you will be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. You will be able to discern. We need a spirit of discernment. We know that the enemy masquerades as an angel of light. I'm here to just remind us tonight that the enemy would use people. The masquerade is agents of light. Try and speak into us and speak into our, our life, into our present and our future. You say, how can I be duped? Listen, the Bible tells us the enemy is sly. It doesn't always come like this roaring lion. He tries just to slip in. Why would it say in the word that he masquerades as an angel of light? I remember an old song when I was a kid, used to play it a lot. Angel of light, I see you glow in the night, but you only bring darkness to my soul. It's when we pour our lives into the right mold that our mind is renewed. And this is so important. Why is it important? Because now we see different. We think different. We act different. We respond different. We function different. We walk different. We talk different than the world. All into Christ. All into Jesus. All into Him that it all takes the right shape. Everything goes into Jesus. Jesus is the mold. Everything that we have, our everything goes into him. And here's the key. Everything goes in soft and pliable. Everything goes in soft and pliable. Can the Lord do a miracle with that which is hardened? The answer is yes. We know that he can remove the heart of stone from our flesh and give us a heart of flesh. But what he is looking for is surrender. Things handed over to him and poured into him that are pliable. It blesses his heart when we pour everything into him soft and pliable. That's his desire. Then he can get right to work, can't he? See, if we pour it in, if we bring it in, we can't even pour it in. If we try and place it in hard, he really has to work on us first. But if we come and we're soft and pliable and this, this area of my life is already surrendered, it speeds up the process. And the Lord can get right to work. Everything must go in. It's often pliable that he can work his miracle in us and in our world. 
bringing forth the cast, the image, the shape, the look, the expression that he desires. And I believe for many of us here tonight, and I pray for all of us here tonight, that would be the cry, the depth of our heart, that everything would be poured into him, soft and pliable. That the image that he desires would come forth. When the mold of Christ has had its way with us, if you're looking for the next point, we must resist that which would seek to mess with the shape that the mold of Christ has produced. I'm going to say that again tonight. When the mold of Christ has had its way with us, we must resist that which would seek to mess with the shape that the mold of Christ has produced. We have to remember that we are living. A living sacrifice. The shape of the Lord can be forfeited by us if we give our lives over to a rogue mold. Philip's New Testament, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. See, the truth is we remain in this world until Christ returns or until Christ calls us home. We remain in this world but not of this world. That's the call. Remain in this world, but not of this world. Why? Because the world would love to squeeze us into its mold, distorting and perverting the image of Christ, the image of normal Christianity. And he will keep working on us until it's got us remolded to render us abnormal, unreasonable, improper, unintelligent, Isaiah 64, 8, we are the product of your created, creative action, shaped and formed into something of worth. Lord, we are the product of your creative action, shaped and formed into something of worth. The greatest thing that we can do with our lives, with our everything, is pour it into Jesus. And we must keep our lives on the altar. We have to maintain intimacy with the Lord. We have to remain intimate with the mold of Christ. This is not a one-time thing. You know how it is when you're young growing up, you need to pour your everything into the mold that is Christ. You become a teen, you need to pour your everything into the mold that is Christ. You become a young adult, you need to pour your everything into the mold that is Christ. You're an adult now. You need to pour everything into the mold that is Christ. This doesn't end. We need to remain intimate with the mold. We keep pouring in everything because the enemy would love to have us distance ourselves from the mold that is Christ, get wrapped up in the things of the world, be in this world, and soon we're of this world. To have us relax catch us off guard. So many things come to try and remold us into something else, into something less. Pressures and trials come. The enemy would come to try and, to try and distort and pervert what the Lord has produced. You know what the Lord says to us? 
And I believe this is a word for us here tonight. To those that have poured their everything into the right mold, to those that are continuing to pour their everything into the right mold, what does the Lord say to us? He says, do not envy sinners, all that's been molded in their life. Do not envy sinners. Don't look at the image. Don't look at the cast. Don't look at whatever has been molded in the sinner's life. Do not envy what they look like. Do not envy what they have. Do not envy their so-called freedom, their liberty. Do not envy. Proverbs 24.1, do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. Wow. I mean, the Bible's black and white. We're the ones that put the gray in there. God says, get rid of the gray. Look at what the word says. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. Incredible. Listen to Psalm 73, beginning at verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went in to the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Wow. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far off from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all your works. The Lord is saying, do not be envious of sinners, all that has been molded in their life. And you know what the Lord is saying to us? He's saying, get into the sanctuary. Why? Because as we've just read, things become clear in the sanctuary of the Lord. Things become clear in the sanctuary of the Lord. Too many decisions are made outside of the sanctuary of the Lord. I'm not just talking about this physical place. Too many conversations happen. Well, we never would have had those conversations if we would have went in to the sanctuary of the Lord. Because things become clear in the sanctuary of the Lord. Get into the sanctuary, the voice reads, I took my questions to the true God, and in his sanctuary, I realized something so chilling and final. 
their lives have a deadly end. The Passion Translation, but then one day I was brought into the sanctuaries of God and in the light of glory, my distorted perspective vanished. Then I realized, I understood that the destiny of the wicked was near. What we could say tonight, whatever the distorted perspective is, this could speak to so many things. One day I was brought into the sanctuaries of God and in the light of glory, my distorted perspective vanished. You're saying the psalmist here had a distorted perspective? If so, are we above that? We too need to surrender ourselves to the sanctuary of the Lord. Get into the house. Get into his presence. Get into the sanctuary. The enemy wants to separate us from the sanctuary of the Lord. His desire is to keep us from the place of understanding. I don't need to talk about church attendance tonight. <laughs> you soon find out that the enemy wants to keep you from church. The enemy wants to keep you from the presence of the Lord. The enemy wants to keep you from Bible reading. The enemy wants to keep you from the place of prayer. The enemy wants to keep you from the secret place. The enemy wants to keep us out of the sanctuary of the Lord. His desire is to keep us from the place of understanding. Why? So he can get us messed up. And pretty soon we're thinking thoughts that are not of God, but we'd swear they are. We're experiencing feelings and emotions that we swear of God, but they're not. Wrestling with things, decisions, associations, relations, whatever it might be, our future. If he can get us distanced from the place of understanding, distorted perspective. We'd swear we're hearing from the Lord. We've got a distorted view. So we have to run into the house. The message reads, I tried to figure it out. All I got was a splitting headache. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. Wow. No, I'm good. I see the whole picture. I got it all figured out. Listen. Let's take the wisdom of the scriptures tonight. And even though it'd be a paraphrase, listen, I tried to figure it out. All I got was a splitting headache until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I saw the whole picture. I'm going to tell you tonight, there's been times in my life, a lot. You can't see the whole picture. And then you come into the presence of the Lord. Everything is made clear. You see it all. It's clear as day. Jesus is the mold. Everything must be poured into him. You're saying, well, how do we pour it all into him? How do I pour it into Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that he is the word, true? And so we pour our lives into the word. We pour our lives into the mold that is Jesus. We pour our lives into the mold that is the word. Listen to Psalm 17, 4. Following your word has kept me from wrong. Your ways have molded my footsteps, keeping me from going down the forbidden paths of the destroyer. 
Romans 6.17, and God is pleased with you. For in the past you were servants of sin, but now your obedience is heart deep, and your life is being molded by truth through the teaching you are devoted to. How do we pour our lives into him? We have to let go of the desires of ignorant days and go after the desires of enlightened days. Jude 16 and the J.B. Phillips, these are the men who complain and curse their fate while trying all the time to mold life according to their own desires. Trying to mold life according to our own desires. How can we pray, Lord, your will be done. Not my will, but your will, Lord. And then in the next action, in the next moment, we're trying to mold our life according to our own desires. We're praying one thing. But it's not real. It's not heart deep. It's a surface prayer. Because our actions show the condition of our heart. It's like words. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. We have to let go of the desires of ignorant days and go after the desires of enlightened days. First Peter 1, verses 13 to 16. So brace up your minds. And as men who know what they are doing, Rest the full weight of your hopes on the grace that will be yours when Jesus Christ reveals himself. Live as obedient children before God. Don't let your character be molded by the desires of your ignorant days, but be holy in every department of your lives. For the one who has called you is himself holy. The scripture says, be holy, for I am holy. Can have the worship team return tonight. How do we pour it all into him? How do we pour it all into Jesus? We go to the place of prayer. We get into the atmosphere of worship and we pour. We get into the place and we pour. If we have a spirit of heaviness, whatever that looks like, we get into his house. We get into the sanctuary. We don't distance ourselves from the place of understanding. We get in, and what do we do? We put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We get in, we pour. We get into the place of prayer, and we pour. We first cry out, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We ask thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we get to our needs, we get to those things, the questions, the wanderings, all that, all that we have inside of us, the emotions, whatever it might be, and we, we pour it in. We pour it in. We pour it into the mold that he can take those things and he can cast them right. Bring the right image forth. 
We pour our lives into Jesus. There's so many areas, so many things that make up our living in our lives. What do we pour into him? We pour our relationships into him. We all have relationships in this life. We pour every relationship into his mold. We pour our sexuality into his mold. Pray this generation doesn't forget that. We pour our sexuality into the mold. Our minds, our hopes, our dreams, our emotions. Emotions get away on us. Emotions cause us to say things that we, we shouldn't have said. Emotions have us act in ways we should never have acted. Emotions have us walk away from things that we should have never walked away from. You know, marriages break down just because of emotions. You know, people walk away just because of emotions. Perhaps something the other person didn't even really know was going on. Really had no idea. Just comes out of the woodwork. Remember years ago, I don't even know why I'm sharing this. I just shared it with some people recently. I remember being at a camp. We played. This pastor got up. He's preaching. Comes to the end of the week, and somebody wanted to say something, and it was somebody that this person trusted. And so they gave him the mic in front of this entire camp. The person confessed that they had a real problem all these years with the pastor. The person that's ministering at this camp, he's sitting there like, all right, I just want to apologize to you for the anger I've had towards you, apologize to you for all the things that, you know, I feel you've done wrong to me, apologize to you. First of all, that is not the place. Second of all, the pastor at the end is like, all right, how am I going to pick this service up now? Uh, let's all call on the Holy Ghost. I mean, he had no idea what was going on. Why? No communication. And these things weren't even true. And finally, this person got to the point they said, you know what? It was a distorted perspective. And that's how it came out in that situation. But I just share that to say that sometimes we think things are real and they're really not. And we formed a distorted perspective of what things should or should not look like. We don't see clearly. We have to pour our talents and our giftings into his mold. One man comes to mind right now. I'm not going to tell you his name. Probably nobody here would even know who he is. Mother still faithfully attends his church. One of the greatest guitar players I personally have ever known. Years and years ago in the church, he was warned. So while I was still a young child, he was warned the enemy is going to try and steal your gift and use it for his purposes. 
no longer playing in church, no longer attends church. The enemy stole his gift. Years went by. That's what the enemy would try to do. Come, here's my mold. Envious of sinners. Envious of what's been produced. The greatest thing we can do with our life, with our gifting, with our talent, is serve Jesus. To work for Jesus, to act for Jesus, to play for Jesus, to minister for Jesus. We take our families and our associations, we take our everything. There's so many more things that could be mentioned tonight. And just so we leave on a practical note, the message, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And I want to add this tonight. It's not only the best thing we can do for him, it is without a doubt the best thing we can do for us. Let's stand in this place tonight. Thank you for listening to the word. I'm just going to sing this course out in closing. Just allow the spirit to work on you right now. Just sing this out. Make this your prayer and the cry of your heart, and we'll pray and head out into the foyer. God bless.